It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. That means it's Bible study time, but it also means that it is time for the 400-point question for the quiz along with your text messages. Let's, what he, let's hear what you've had to say over the last hour of the show. Who, what, when, where, and why, and let's hear it. For 400 points, Acts says that the early church continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doct- Doctrine and three other things. Name at least one of those things. I was about to just list out all the answers, but um, luckily I read through read through the question and and uh, didn't just give the answer the quizic way. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. Four hundred points. We, you can win yourself a, a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, that four hundred point question. Acts says the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and three other things. Name at least one of them. Okay, if you know the answer, then give us a call right now. 0491 uh, Coming through on the text messages, polluted cities in India due to burning. Spray away. That's amazing chemistry. Good news. Uh, stem cells for rejuvenation. Is this the grail for eternal life? Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> cryptocurrency stolen from North Korea. Interesting, but nothing really new. Governments have been stealing from the public forever through mm. income tax. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. It only began as a way to assist with the war effort during World War One. Well, yeah. Mm. No, there was this thing called tax a long time before the time mm. of Christ. But anyway. But um, I think the specific, the, the most okay. interesting thing about North Korea is that you have a country with the same population as Australia roughly the same. They have, a f- I think, a few million more people, but with a GDP that is a fraction of the size because they're yes. just isolated from every country. And so then the government says, okay, the best use of our time is to train up a, 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 a like 5,000 5, strong We're team of hackers. We're just going to steal We'll some. just steal cryptocurrency from like betting companies to to fund our government. So that's just, that's, that's what really gets there. gets this it for me. That's fantastic. Stuff. Uh, when you consider that about one third of your income goes to the government, everybody is working for them. I thought they were supposed to work for us. We are one of the highest taxing countries in the world. That's right. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Uh, the euthanasia ceremony in church. What happened to the commandment, you shall not murder? <laughs> yeah, that's what we were asking. In church? Mm-hmm. How low can they go? It's all done in the name of God. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? It's just... It's, this is like what? Yeah, it is. That is so loose. Like I don't even, uh, but loose in every sense. I, like yeah, theologically I, I loose. Know, I, don't where, I don't even know where to loose begin with on it. life. Just, like why loose on God? Loose, loose on, the, on on because yeah. you know, the whole the whole concept of euthanasia is that this is the only thing that can be done. It does away with the fact that God works miracles. Mm-hmm. And it takes away the possibility of God being able to do that. Mm. After you shared that story, I was like looking up, um, you know, just different churches' stances on euthanasia. I'm like, is this like a growing uh, trend and tide? And I I was looking at different denominations here in Australia. And luckily, like, you know, most denominations have a stance on euthanasia on their website or whatever it may be. Um, I think I was reading the Lutheran one where it's like, our life is not our own. Like, it is God's. Like, we belong to God. He has blessed us with life. We are here to live it. And I was like, amen. So yes, true. absolutely. Mm. Um, let's let this forced baptism by police. I'm sure that that made her an instant Christian. 
Insanity rules reminds me of Emperor Constantine who marched his pagan army through the river. By the time they got out the other side, they were all Christians. Welcome to paganism in the Christian church. Lawson Lawson likened this one, and I thought it was a really good comment to the uh, Inquisition. Yeah, it's like, like we're bringing it back. <laughs> baptize or be baptized or go to jail. That's right, yeah. That was just like the most bizarre story. And I think that, you know, universally this one was recognized as bizarre, which is why this guy is no longer a sheriff's deputy. Yeah. And, of course, the sheriff's department's being sued by it. The individuals involved are going to be sued, you know, because of what happened, etc. But if you missed the story, uh, basically this cop uh, pulled over a lady. She was caught with marijuana. And it was like, well, you can go to jail. Or if you get baptized, they'll only give you a citation. Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, I'll get baptized. I'll get, I'll get wet uh-huh. to miss out on going to jail. I think most of us would get wet if we're offered that as an opportunity to miss out on going to jail. But then later, stopping to think about it, she thought, there's money in this. Definitely, because I this, will is, sue. this is no, like, it's the cop's fault that he did this. Oh, absolutely. Like, like she's not responsible. But this is the problem with teachings like once saved, always saved, because you bring in once saved, always saved, and suddenly you have a process where the Inquisition can actually be a good thing. Yeah. yeah and, this, wow. and this, the Inquisition will come back again. Mm-hmm. Revelation 13 says so, and Revelation uh, 16 says, or Revelation 13 and 16 says that it will come back driven by evangelical Christianity, and you can kind of see how here. Mm. You can see a theology for Inquisition because, you know, this police officer obviously believed that this person was now saved and that even though she may continue to live a reprobate life, Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter. She's saved. He's got this this woman into the kingdom and it's all good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, just a, a clarification here. Taxes have always been around, but not income tax. Oh, true. Well, uh, are we trying to understand, when did income tax come in? Yeah, well, the, according to this text, it says the First World War. Um, but I'm having a look on Google. I'm having a look here. And the first income tax is generally attribu- attributed to Egypt in the early days of the Roman Republic. Oh, okay. There you go. Yes. So they were like, you know, well, because in Australia, like, we have income tax and GST. Uh, it started in Australia in 1915. That's right. According to this text. Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In Australia, they're like, did you spend money? Give us money. Did you make money? Give us money. You, you, you just can't win. <laughs> whether it's going in or whether it's... Are you breathing air? That's going to cost you. Whether it's coming in or going out, hey, you're, you're taxing. You're taxing. That's awesome. All right. Bible study time. Let's go to <laughs> Genesis chapter it. 6. It's all about the flood. I've missed this. I've really, I've missed sitting down with you, Lyle, and talking about the Bible over the last four days. Me too. Um, I've been at big camps. So I've been having lots of Talking a lot about the Bible. Talk about the Bible. Yeah. So I went, you know, I went to church, you know, spent time with my friends in Bible study. And I got to talk about Genesis at big camp too, which oh, is pretty cool. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. They gave me half an hour to cover everything I covered last week. Nice. So I don't know, I spent like two and a half, three hours on it last week and I was given half an hour. And it was discussion. And it was discussion <laughs> with about maybe 500 people in the world. So, you know. Wow, you must have flew through that. We covered Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, sorry Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. That's that's as that, far as we that got. Is, that is a Lyle Southwell moment right there. But it was great. It's an awesome <laughs> it's discussion. Awesome. 
They called me a heretic. I got called a heretic. Really? Yes, I got called a heretic. Like, like seriously? Yes. Wow. This is a, a, a senior pastor had to come and straighten me out. Really? <laughs> no, no, it was all good. It was all good. <laughs> Lyle probably got called a heretic because he was preaching heresy. Well, I, I, I presented what I presented last week, and I presented Kane's side of the story. Ah. And I actually used that illustration, that motorbike illustration that we used last week. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And there was a lot of people like, oh, oh yeah, well, 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 maybe Kane was bringing a, uh, a, a, a different kind of an... Maybe it wasn't so... And, I was like, no, guys, that's not how it goes. Cain was sinning. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Cain was sinning. He was sinning. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 6, and we will start in verse... Oh, this is interesting. Uh-huh. Let's read the first four verses, uh-huh. uh, and we will toss out some ideas here that we do not know the answer to, because, and the reason is, that one of our listeners has been uh, communicating with me backwards and forwards on these verses with some interesting thoughts. Okay. Uh, Chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw beautiful women and took uh, any they wanted as their wives. When the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespans will be no more than 120 years. In those days, uh, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived in the earth. For wherever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Okay, this is a fascinating passage right here because the the, the Bible talks about giants, mm-hmm. giants in the earth. Now, this is... This is the question that I was asked during the week is like, they were already giants. Were these giants of giants? Giant giants. Yeah. These people like 30 feet tall. I don't know. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So in thinking about it, I kind of came up with two scenarios, two possible scenarios, and one could be that this is Moses reflecting on the antediluvians and just commenting that the antediluvians in general were giants. Mm-hmm. There were giants in the world in those days because before the flood, everybody was so much bigger than what they are now. And so, yeah, there were giants back then. And even now you still see the odd giant getting around the place, which is a carryover from the antediluvian world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause Alternatively. Because it, it, it just, like, on that point, it doesn't, like, stipulate in the text that there was specifically people who were giants and specifically people who weren't giants. It just says that there were giants. Yes. Alternatively, it could be that, you know, amongst the antediluvian world, where we would expect human beings to be twice the size of what they are today. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a lot of people would ask the question, why would you say that? Uh, so I will give some evidence as to why I would say that. If we look at the natural world, everything in the natural world from prehistoric times was about twice the size, two to three times bigger than what it is right now. Mm. So trees were two to three times taller than what they are right now. Uh, if you go down to the you know the, the, the museum in Sydney, the Sydney Museum, you're going to find you know kangaroos and wombats and so forth that are the size of hippos. You know. These are very, very large creatures, and it's what's called the megafauna and the megaflora. You had, you know, crocodiles that were, you know, 
60 feet long. You had uh, dragonflies with a one-metre wingspan. You That's had, so in- you That had would be the scariest thing ever. Snails. A snails fly, a foot long. Oh, a foot long. Imagine that getting into your lettuce patch. <laughs> that would be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so when you, when, you, when you put all of this together, what you find is that everything in the past mm. used to be mm-hmm. so much bigger and more powerful than what it is right now. And so it would be extremely unusual if human beings were the only species that was not twice its size in the that's ancient right. past. Mm-hmm. So that's what we would assume would be the case. And so if human beings are twice the size or maybe three times the size of what they are right now, uh, two to three times bigger, then you're looking at you know human beings around the 15-foot mark, mm-hmm. you know, um, three, four metres tall. Wow. Uh, big human beings. And, of course... This could refer to giants amongst the antediluvians. Mm-hmm. How big were they? Yeah, but I, I, if that was the case, my my question is like because when people make that point that there were giants in the earth, they reflect back to oh okay, like as in giants of the giants, like that they, they make a specific point that oh no, there were a group of people that were bigger than everyone else. They their reasoning for that, if you read along in the text, like they link it back to oh because. The sons of God had relations with the daughter of man, and therefore there were people who were bigger than everyone else. Uh, but I don't know. I I don't necessarily see that. Well, yeah, the, the the reason that the reason that some people go there is because they see the sons of God as being angels, mm-hmm. and because they are obviously angels who are sinning, then they are sinful angels. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a bunch of there's so many problems with this theory. I don't even know where to begin. Probably the first one is that Jesus like directly speaks against it. Yes, <laughs> when he says that the angels do not marry, uh-huh. and it specifically speaks here about marriage. The issue is marriage. Uh-huh. The Bible says the angels don't marry. Uh, probably the second is that where is the biblical precedent for calling an evil angel a son of God? Totally. Mm. You know, you have a biblical principle for Jesus, calling Jesus the Son of God. Uh-huh. You have a biblical precedent for calling Adam the Son of God. Mm-hmm. You have a biblical precedent for those who have been formed in the image of Jesus. In other words, Christians who've given their life to Jesus as being called sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. Those biblical precedents exist. Mm-hmm. You've got to take a massive leap to refer to an evil angel, a fallen being, a demon, <laughs> as a son of God. Yeah, wow. Well. That's just it's just <laughs> like really you're, you're going to go there, you know. And and as one of the things that we as human beings, you know, we have this tendency to always go to the most obscure rather than the most obvious. Yeah, it's called it's called pushing the horse or the pushing the wheelbarrow, sitting on the horse pushing the wheelbarrow. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. That's what human beings do, mm. and so yeah, that's that's it's 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 an interesting uh, it's an interesting thought here. The other thought that goes through my mind while we're speculating, we're having a speculative uh-huh, moment this morning, uh-huh, so let's uh-huh, let's continue uh-huh. to speculate. Uh-huh. The Bible says, uh, "The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took." them wives of all they chose. Read read for me verse 2 in your translation. Uh, verse 2 in the NLT, it says, The sons of God uh, saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Okay, so they took any they wanted as their wives. 
Does this sound to you like a healthy relationship? Um, no. It kind of sounds a little bit, kind of sounds a little bit slavey, doesn't it? Yeah, like predatory. Predatory. Sense, yeah. And it kind of makes me wonder because when I look at, you know, we have feminism in our world today and feminism we have to accept has done a lot of good things mm-hmm. because we have had the opposite extreme in the past. And, of course, you know, feminism has gone to, you know, human beings can never find a, an even balance and feminism mm-hmm. has gone to an extreme and it's just totally ridiculous. But we have had an imbalance in the past and particularly within many cultures where women have been terribly oppressed. Mm-hmm. And we have rejoiced to see the end of oppression of women and women mm. being able to find freedom and happiness and joy and to be able to you know be in a loving relationship and i read this and it just has this bit of a ring to it of like well it was the guys it was all about the guys and they took uh wives whatever they wanted whenever they wanted however they wanted it just has that ring to it and the next verse it says and the lord said my spirit will not always strive with man i'm going to give him 120 years mm-hmm. And it seems to me that you have a patriarchal society here where a culture which has become incredibly oppressive towards women. Mm. And as a result of becoming incredibly oppressive towards women, this is one of the reasons that God says, I'm going to flood the world because there was slavery taking place. Yeah. And you notice like, okay, who are these two groups of people? One is the daughters of men and the other is the sons of God. Yes. So if we, I, I believe when we put this in, it's like correct biblical context this is talking about the sons of god are the men coming from seth's line that's right and the daughters of men are the women coming from cain's line and they live in two different places because one is like practicing idolatry and not following god and the other one through seth's line are desiring to follow god and continue to follow god yes but what's taken place here is that the sons of god you know up in the mountains they've gone Oh, the daughters of men are really pretty. And so there's been this this melding here of these two cultures, and it's ultimately led to the morals of those who are supposed to be representing God failing. And this is what you're going to find with mixed marriages. When Mm. I talk about a mixed marriage, I talk about, you know, because every marriage, of course, is a mixed marriage. Every marriage is a cross-cultural marriage. But I'm talking about marriages where people of different faiths marry and Mm -hmm. where somebody marries somebody of no faith Mm -hmm. in particular. And what you'll find is that when somebody marries of no faith, 99% of the time, the person who marries that person of no faith will lose their faith. Yeah. And I would say it's not even the person of no faith's fault a lot of the time. And I no. I don't see that taking place yeah. here either. I, I think it's just literally like, hey, look at, all these, nature. look at all these pagan women who are just ready to go, like... You know, and oh, they just gave in to desire and forgot the Lord because of it. It's human nature mm. taking place right here. We see it. We see it playing out in front of us. Yes, indeed. Okay, so we've got um, so we've got these interesting statements here, and it sort of does make you wonder about you know what exactly was going on back there in the ancient world. Mm. Um, but when we when we read about it, you know, the Bible talks about them being giants in the earth, which which raises raises the next question. Uh huh. The size of the ark. Oh, yeah. So if you go to Kentucky, you can see the reconstruction of an ark to the dimensions that the Bible gives mm-hmm. uh, as to how many cubits long it was, how many cubits wide it was, how many cubits high it was. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the reasons that this ark has been built is to demonstrate that it's very easy to fit, you know, all of the species of animals that you need to into the ark. Mm-hmm. However, the one that is in Kentucky is the smallest possible one. Mm-hmm. There are possibilities that the ark could have been much bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason being is because the one in Kentucky is built off the Canaanite cubit, which is what the Hebrew people used, and we assume that what Moses used when he wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. But he may have used a an Egyptian cubit, would have made, which would have made it bigger. Mm. He may have used an antediluvian cubit, which would have made her one of the biggest ships our world has ever seen. Wow. At least twice the size of the one in Kentucky. It's a possibility. Lots of speculation this morning. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Give us a call. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Looking at Genesis chapter 6, but we have a 500-point question for our quiz that we're going to have from Lawson right now. Yes, that is correct. So for 500 points, what does the voice of the living creature resemble when the Lamb breaks the first seal on the seventh sealed book of Revelation? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do know the answer, you can win our book for today, uh, our 500-point prize, which is A Time for Departing, How Ancient Mystical Practices Are Uniting Christians with the World Religions by Ray Youngin. Um, yeah, one of those that we're seeing at the moment, uh, human sacrifice, as we've been talking about this morning, which is terrible. But yeah, guys, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You can win this book that is incredibly insightful as to what's taking place today in modern religion. Uh, but for 500 points, that question was again, what does the voice of the living creature resemble when the lamb breaks the first seal on the seven sealed book of Revelation? Fantastic stuff. Well, we've got uh, Bruce calling through. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, I was just um, listening to how you're talking about the measurement of the ark and um, it was measured in cubits. And uh, in Revelation, where it talks about the measuring of the wall of the city, it talks about cubits there, but it says the measurement of a man, but that of an angel. And, and so I believe when Adam and Eve were created, they're probably created nearly the same size as an angel, you know? Yeah, it makes and, sense. Uh, and so that cubit would have been that size. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's a lot of validity to that. I don't think it's something that we can, you know, we can't just sort of nail it down black and white and prove it that, you know, this is going to, this is exactly how it was, but I think it's definitely something that we should consider. And another thing too, if man was so much bigger, like you said, the animals would have been, so even an ark made this smaller, the animals would be smaller anyway, so they'd still be in relation to the same anyway, wouldn't it? Once again, a very valid point. Uh, and if we, if the ark had been a much bigger ark than, than the one that's in Kentucky, then it would have accommodated larger animals. Uh, yeah. These are, these are some good points, and I think it's well, I think it's interesting for us to stop and speculate about, you know, what, has uh, what was taking place back then. At the same time, it's important to look at the lessons that we have that we know that we can actually say, well, this is exactly what happened and what we do exactly know and what is written in black and white. So, yeah, thank you, thank you, Bruce, for uh, sharing with us right there some, some good thoughts. I 
have not thought of those myself, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So give us a call or shoot us a text message, 0491-064-669. Right now, let's read Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. Okay, there are a number of keywords in this particular passage right here that we need to look at. Uh, let's see, constantly. What else have we got there that goes along totally. with totally, constantly, totally? What is? There should be a third one there. Is it evil? Uh, everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Constantly, totally, everything mm-hmm. is the three words that your translation gives. Evil. Mine says, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. So I've got every only continually. Synonyms. Yes. These are are synonyms and they are emphasizing a point right here. And the point is this, that amongst those generation of people that had left off the service of God, there was no good thoughts no good actions whatsoever mm-hmm. at all. And so this was a question that was actually raised at, at, at Big Cam. You know, why is it that we see in our world today that bad people do good things? Mm-hmm. Why do we see sinful people? Why do we see people who are not in any way connected with Jesus Christ, not in any way filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do we see them doing good things? Because here you have a situation where no one is doing anything that is good ever. Mm-hmm except obviously for Noah and his family and those associated with the building of the ark. We don't know how many of them that there were, but, you know, we have, uh, you know, we, we suspect that Methuselah was somebody, you know, was a, was a prophet obviously who uh, his name went, went meant when he dies it shall come, referring to the flood. He died the year of the flood. Uh, when Methuselah died, the flood came. Mm. And so, you know, we look at these... Um, we we look at the situation here and we find that only evil, every only continually in relationship to evil. And so why is it that people who know nothing about God do good things? And the answer is very simple because there is three conditions that human beings can be in. They can be filled with the Spirit, they can be under the influence of the Spirit, or they can have committed the unpardonable sin. Mm-hmm. Every human being on earth is in one of those situations. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is filled with the Spirit is somebody whose motivation is always to do right. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is under the influence of the Spirit is somebody who is unconverted, but the Spirit is still working on their heart because there is still the possibility of salvation. And because of the influence of the Spirit, they are going to either sometimes, occasionally, or even a majority of the time do right. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you're going to find somebody who's committed the unpardonable sin. That means they have cut themselves off from the Holy Spirit. This is Mm. blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot reach them, cannot speak to them. They have no conscience. Mm. Because we've got to remember that our our conscience is the voice of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And so somebody who who, who has committed the unpardonable sin has no conscience. Mm. And so you have a situation where it's impossible for them to have any good thoughts or any good actions because there is no influence from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The only thing they can do is to live out the sinful human nature in 
the sinful human nature's perfection. Mm. That's the wrong word. In its Completeness. totality. 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 Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. I've got a question for you, Lyle, then. Yes. So is every person that has rejected the Holy Spirit, are they like violent, insane criminals? Every person who has committed the unpardonable sin never does or says or thinks a good thing. Ever. At all. Not even like for self-gain? Oh, I... I like, like, think about like so, so a psychopath, right? Yes. Like, like someone who we define as like a like a, a psychopath, like, like lacks empathy, yes, and the ability to, um, yeah, consider you know another person's feelings or thoughts, and so therefore they commit actions, um, that are really terrible as a result of that, living out yes. their desires. Um, but a psychopath has the capacity, um, to do a good thing to. Good, I'm saying with quotes or brackets, to gain themselves some kind of advantage to then do bad things. And and, and in that reason, I would, in in that situation, I would say that it's not actually a good thing because of the motivations behind it. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, good definitions. All right, so they they have the, I think everybody has the capacity to do things, but it's ultimately the motivation that is. That is revealing of, of what's going on in the heart. And I think, like, like for example, these people at this time, they probably had kids yes. and they probably made food for their kids. Yes. But, but you know, which... For selfish reasons. Yeah, that's right. So they could abuse their kids. That's right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and this is what you find is that typically, you know, when somebody commits the unpardonable sin, while they are still alive... Mm-hmm. Because for most people, their probation closes when they die. We have very few examples of people who commit the unpardonable sin while they're still alive. King Saul is one. When he went to the Witch of Endor, he died yeah. the next day. Uh, Belshazzar is another one. He died within hours. Mm-hmm. We don't have long lives of these people, whereas before the flood, you had long lives of people who lived these incredibly miserable lives. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are going to have answers for our quiz questions now. All right, 100 points. The answer was Leah for 200 points. The answer was Locust. 300 points, it was Shipwreck. 400 points, it was Fellowship, the Breaking of Bread, or Prayers. And for 500 points, the answer was Thunder. His okay. voice was the sound of thunder. thunder. It is now time for... Question of the Day. All right, well, our question of the day, this is a bit of a long one coming in from Bruce, but it essentially says this. The sin of Cain says the Lord cursed the ground. It had already been cursed after Adam's sin. Cain's sin was both murder and lies. Does that mean that it was double cursed? Cain's descendants don't get an age genealogy like Sessline does. Could this be because that's where the second death got implemented? And then there is a reference here to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Okay, let's see how much of this we can get through. We might do it in two. We might do it in one. We'll see how we go. Uh, first of all, the double curse. The curse that was placed on the ground at the time of Adam was that thorns and thistles would it bring forth and that it would be hard to work. The curse that is placed on the ground in the time of Cain is that the ground would not bring forth her fullness. Uh, so, for instance, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 11, Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will not henceforth yield unto you her strength. Mm. 
And so we find here that, yes, this is a double curse. Not only do you get thorns and thistles, not only is the ground hard to work, but now it's also not going to be as productive as what it was before. And we get some, we get some insights into what the world possibly was in the antediluvian world when we see people who put in the science, put in the effort, put in the research to recreate a perfect environment. Now, they would say they're creating a perfect environment. I would say that they're recreating it, and it's not even close to the perfection that you would have had in the antediluvian world, but, well, it's as close to perfect perfect as you can get. And so, for instance, you've got this guy in the UK the other day that grew that tomato plant. I think we talked about it here on Faith FM. Uh, and the one single tomato plant had 1,269 tomatoes on it and was three stories tall. That's a little bit more than the average tomato that That's you grow in your backyard. That's a lot of tomatoes. That'll keep you going for a long time. That's 400 pounds of fruit. And so if you can imagine a world in which the environment was actually perfect, imagine what that tomato plant would look like, probably three times the size of that, probably three times more fruit. And so, yes, the world is suffering under a curse. It is suffering under a double curse. First of all, because of what Adam and Eve did, and secondly, because of what Cain did. The second part of this question is that Cain's descendants don't get an aged gene allergy like Seth's line does. Could this be where the second death got implemented? So let's first think about the second death and the first death for a moment. Uh, the second death you find described in Revelation chapter uh, 21. Let me just turn over there very quickly and read it to you, where the Bible talks about those who are outside of the city, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the second death is the destruction of the wicked. So the first death is the death that we all die. Everybody dies the first death. That is common to all human beings, and that came about as a result of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. And we would have all died the second death at that same time had it not been for the intercession of Jesus Christ and the promise, the covenant that was made there in the Garden of Eden. However... The question is, does the second death begin to be implemented with the descendants of Cain? And I would say that the with Cain and his descendants, I would say the answer to that is yes. Adam and Eve, do they die the second death? No. Our assumption is, from what we read in the Bible, is that they are saved. Abel and Seth, do they die the second death? No. Our assumption from what the Bible is, Bible says is that they are saved. Does Cain die the second death? Yes, our assumption from what the Bible says is that Cain will die the second death. And so the second death then begins with Cain. And, of course, the uh, Bible reference there is to uh, the book of uh, Hebrews. Um, we probably don't have time to get into that verse this morning. Maybe we'll look at that uh, tomorrow. It's an interesting verse in relationship to sin. But that brings us to the end of our breakfast show. We hope that you have enjoyed the show this morning. And, of course, we like to encourage you, as always, to spend some time reading the Bible. Join a small group. One of the best ways to study the Bible is in a small group context. And there are small groups operating right across Australia. If you can't get there physically, join it by Zoom. 
Of course, Zoom groups are taking place. So uh, I'll, I'll be part of my Zoom small group this evening. Looking forward to Epic. it. Epic. Yes. So do that. Uh, jump online if you can't get it any other way. But the best thing is to just study the Bible with other people, get together, share ideas, share concepts together, and you will be absolutely amazed by what you discover. Uh, if you can't join a small group, then... Well, uh, maybe you can do an online Bible study or one via correspondence course. We can set those up for you as well. Mm. Of course, as you go through this day, as always, we like to encourage you to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.